welcome in to the Irish NFL show in partnership with Pundit Arena Friday night, Friday night lights column. Welcome in. Let's talk some Broncos before we let the other boys in. I'm only joking. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, yeah. Been a, been a good day. It's a Friday night, the end of a crazy week. And um, the, yeah, the, the Broncos had some good news today. So happy days. We'll, we'll not be biased and we'll talk about that in, in a wee bit. We've got uh, Dublin's own Brian O'Leary in as well. Brian, how, how are you? Good? Good evening, guys. It's been a it's been a busy week for all of us, and uh, in particular our show, which has gone uh, very well this week. We've had a lot to talk about, and again, we can recap what's been a very eventful week in free agency, with still a lot to come in the next week or so. A big thanks to our production team behind us as well. This week been a very hard week for the production team, but all good. Uh, unfortunately, Mark couldn't make it tonight. Here he arrived late, and on our new rules state that he's not allowed in after ten o'clock. Uh, that was a joke. Hello, Mark. Uh, how are you? Good? Good evening, Michael. I'm all right. Yeah, no, busy, busy week for NFL teams, busy week for us and everything. Uh, even the Broncos can do something right as well, which is uh, hey. a surprising change. Um, but yeah, no, lots of, lots of fun. Long week, long week for everybody. But hey, it's Friday night. Friday night lights intro again. So, so special. So special. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't drink. I'm delighted the Broncos did a bit of business today and the right business in terms of locking up arguably your best player because it's good to see a smile on your two faces for I'd see them in abject misery to be honest Brian still yeah we've got uh, we've got a lot of talk about boys because in 20 minutes we've got Nate Geary uh, coming on the show an Irishman who's working on, on on the Buffalo radio scene so I'm very interested to first of all hear what county he's from I haven't asked him so I was all a guess at for a start, but feel free to get your questions in. Uh, we're on the Ponder Arena Facebook page. We're obviously on Twitter as well, so false, false, false. Big news today, boys, is this Juju Smith-Schuster, who we think may eventually, over the next decade, come on our show at some point, let's hope, uh, has signed a deal with the Pittsburgh State. <laughs> is this the Ben Roethlisberger effect? I mean, Colin, are, are you shocked at this? Uh, he turned down bigger offers from different teams. Including Baltimore, I'm. I am. I'm a little surprised by it, um, given that he did turn down better offers. He also turned down a better offer, apparently, from the Chiefs, which uh, you would have thought that he would have preferred to be catching uh, the football from Patrick Mahomes, and uh, you know, rather than um, Ben trying to sling it um, next season. It, for the for the Chiefs, I mean. Look, I, I have been a, a big uh, fan of what they do in Kansas, uh, despite um, being a Broncos fan. But it hasn't been a great week. They, they went big to, to try and get uh, Trent, but that didn't work. Uh, they went to try to get Juju, and that hasn't worked. Um, look, they'll still be there or thereabouts uh, next season. But definitely disappointing for, for them, and a little bit surprising. But I'm sure uh, for Steelers fans, um, they they will be happy to have him back. Though, as we said, he has never taken that real leap to become a true uh, WR one. Yeah, and I think he'll be he'll be back and kind of you know, kind of thinking. You know, I kind of got ahead of myself because he probably always felt he was a number one. And I think the Steelers, as we touched on in the previous episodes, expect him to step up when Antonio Brown went. Not entirely surprised he, put, he turned on the Chiefs because, okay, the Chiefs are challenging, you know, they've gone two Super Bowls, could come back again next year. 
they've got a lot of talent and the ball gets spread around by and large. And in, I suppose, would he get a lot of the action? I'm not entirely sure. He's got a chance to go back to Pittsburgh now and kind of reevaluate and make that step up. And uh, the Ravens was another interesting one to see that they were in for. But they've been linked to a lot of wide receivers this week, so I'm not entirely sure whether that, that was an accurate report. And for him to move from from the Steelers to the Ravens in a division where it's such a fierce rival, I I think probably looked at that and said that's probably not the right move in the long run. So they got him back, and they've got him back at a very reasonable deal. Eight, seven million salary, one million potential bonus. You know, he was out there looking for the 14, 15 million range, which other wide receivers are also looking for, and some have got this week. But he certainly didn't get the offers that he expected. Not a fresh start for Juju, but a very good fresh start for Mark. Anybody in the podcast looking very fresh today, Mark? It's the, the beard I shaved off three three days ago. Mark. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's, been, it's been a long week. In fairness, Mark, with the lighting, it's difficult to tell. It's like watching <laughs> you through a fog at times. Yeah. Ah, there, look at that. Yeah, no, it's, it's all clean, but the, no, unlike Michael, I learned that you stop at about here. You don't keep going up. <laughs> anyway, on Juju Smith-Schuster, oh, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. On Juju Smith-Schuster, I do love his Pittsburgh. Don't worry, you've had my back for four years. I've got yours. Let's be clear. He signed a one-year deal. Like, Juju is uh, is still not having a bad business season in relation to it because next year, as we've talked about, the cap's going to go up. The longer-term cap implications are much bigger. People are going to have more money to play with. So he is playing at risk, don't get me wrong, on a one-year deal. But he's opening up for a multi-year opportunity next year when he'll also be a free agent. So turning down some of the other offers, which seem from reports, obviously we won, you know, Juju's agents knowing exactly what was in, but it seemed like the other offers were about multi-year contract. And perhaps this isn't as altruistic as he'd like to position, but it's, yeah, I've got a good shot uh, still with the Steelers this year. Um, they, you know, they are probably likely to be a playoff team. They've at least got an opportunity. It's a, you know, um, we, we, we talked about the before about Ben's failing, shall we say, and how they fell off a cliff in the NC race this year. But it's not like he's playing for the Lions or the Jets, guys. Like, I mean, you know, they, they, they have a shot and they are a decent size side. But the one-year thing is the thing that intrigues me. And yes, he was looking for more money, but maybe this is all about just getting a lot more money uh, in 12 months' time, more than anything. I, I think Brian's point is, is interesting, though. If that is the case, that he decided not to go to the Chiefs because the ball is going to get spread around, uh, that's pretty telling. This is the antithesis of the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin way to actually win a, a Super Bowl. So um, I I think if if he's looking for big money, and probably, yeah, I mean, potentially somebody to roll the dice um, next next year, but he's going to have to perform. I think it's going to be difficult to perform um, in that Steelers offense. And uh, while they'll, they'll have um, you know, a tough time getting to the playoffs, the Browns, I think, will um, be better uh, this, this year than, or this coming year than they were last year. And I don't know if the Steelers will be. Um, they, they need to, to do a, a lot. I think they've lost again. But Dupree, um, we, we will see interesting times ahead. Uh, and I just want to make a point, and I've spoken to a couple of Steelers fans, and there's probably some Steelers fans there, hopefully, that are watching the show tonight, and they might challenge this, but he's perceived to be a difficult character. 
to a certain extent. Like we saw some of the antics towards the back end of the season, in particular the game against Cincinnati, when we did that show on the, on the Monday night, we were joking about saying, should we even bother talking about this game? It's going to be a walkover. The Bengals went and beat them. But they were so motivated by the fact that he was dancing on the crest on the halfway line. And, you know, that type of antics doesn't go down with other teams. And I think he's got, you know, a certain extent, he's got to prove himself this year, not just on the field, but off the field. Because you, if he went to Kansas City, for example, and as we, as we discussed there, he wasn't getting the ball, you know, as often as he'd like, is he the kind of guy after six or seven games will start kind of railroading a potential season to return to Super Bowl or certainly return to an AFC Championship game? So, you know, maybe the best bet for him was to go back to to Sears, have a year there, and as Mark said, to reset it, reset in twelve months, and look where he's at. And you know, in the end, he might end up staying in Pittsburgh because he has a great season and he gets the long term contract there, and they might look at the stability around having. The, same wide receivers because potentially they could be looking at a new quarterback in 12 months' time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and look, he's definitely going to get the ball in Pittsburgh, let's be clear. I mean, like Chase Claypool did at times look like he was going to be a breakout star and had obviously his amazing four touchdown game, but wasn't necessarily consistent. But who else is Ben going to throw it to? He's not going to throw it to Deontay Johnson too often because all Deontay Johnson likes to do is drop the ball on a regular basis. So at least Juju's got that over him and everything. And and who knows, maybe Juju's playing with Ninja uh, a bit of Madden this season and, and takes his game to the next level in his one-year prove-it uh, deal as well. Uh, certainly very Ninja-esque hairstyle there, Mike, when you showed up that he's got going on as well. No, for Juju, not you. I'm not, I wasn't talking about this. Anyway. We can call you Juju if you wish. Please don't. It's a bit like whenever Homer asks Bart, or it says the kids can call you Hoju. And the, no, it's fine. Um... Anyway, boys, it's been, a, it's been a crazy week. Didn't get to watch any of the football all week. Had to talk with the NFL and said, missed a game last night. It's been one of those weeks, but a bit of good news for me, said, a bit of good news for Colin. Before we say the good news, Nate Geary is coming on. Uh, Irishman working in America on the NFL scene in 20 minutes, just under 20 minutes, to talk about the Bills, the NFL, and his thoughts on the week as well. So if you have any Bills questions, feel free to get them in. Uh, you know, Obviously a very underrated team, better team than the Steelers. Uh, on a different point, though, Justin Simmons, big news for the Broncos, big news for the FC West today, four-year, $61 million deal gets paid. Colin, this was expected, but at the same time, it's good to see it being done for them, obviously. Sorry, hold on, hold on. Let's take our hats off here. What's your thoughts on this deal for the Broncos? Do you think it's a good deal? Do you think it's a bad deal? Yes or no? Uh, I, I think I think it's a good deal. I think objectively it's a, it's a good deal because he, look, the, we know the market goes up and up and up. And given the TV deal, um, we know that, you know, it's going to go up again. So this is the, the highest that a pay, uh, safety is going to get paid. I imagine you'll see that rise again next year. But Simmons' play um, over the last three years in particular has been outstanding. He hasn't missed a defensive snap. He's exactly what you want when you draft uh, some somebody uh, that they perform on, on on and off the field. He's been a leader in the locker room. He's been a leader in the community. And uh, the, I suppose for the Broncos th- this week, they have now um, re-signed Shelby Harris. They took the team option on Von Miller and they've got the long-term deal done with Simmons. The talk in Denver had been that in the locker room, there had been a feeling that the Broncos weren't looking after their own guys. And that really you were going to have to leave Denver if you wanted to get paid. They ha- seem to have righted that wrong. 
um, this week. And I think that should lead to a lot more harmony in the, the dressing room. Definitely interested in the, the take on uh, other fans from outside Denver. But certainly in Denver, there is a, a lot of people rightly very happy because the feeling is this was a, a payday that Justin Simmons deserved. Yeah, last week we touched on it around how the franchise tag has evolved over the past couple of years. You know, in the past, players have been a bit disgruntled by putting on the tag, but now it's very much kind of evolved to players go get tagged in order to give the team and the player more time to evaluate and get the deal together. So it doesn't it, it doesn't come as a surprise to me. What I what I picked up on this week, and maybe you guys have different thoughts on it, is that the Broncos for next season are building towards recreating that defense that they had on the way, Phillips. I mean, they brought in Derby this week who's been a solid player over the last few, few years. still think he has his inconsistencies, but he is a good enough quarterback in the league. You've also got, you know, an opportunity now with Kyle Fuller being potentially released by the Bears, not confirmed yet. You know, I think the Bears are holding off, hoping to get a late, a late, a late pick in terms of a trade. But if, you've, you know, if you're in the sweepstakes there and you could pull that off, I just touched on Von Miller's coming back. Shelby's recontracted. But then you turn your attention to the offense. And is it the case that the Broncos are looking at saying, Let's get the defense right because the defense can keep us in games and hopefully then our quarterback can make the step up next year, you know, in order to win low scoring games. And Michael, you touched on it a couple of months ago. That, you know, they've been crippled with injuries. And if you look at man for man in terms of the players that the Broncos do have, two really good tight ends, some really aggressive wide receivers, and unfortunately it was Court and Sutton so early last season, and then Jerry Judy's coming to a second year. So there is players there, it's just a case of whether the quarterback can make the step up. But Defensively, certainly look like Fangio is getting his impact now coming into the third year in terms of trying to build that defense up. Um, I made this joke once this week already, but with Terrence Mitchell signing for the Texans, Trent Williams going to the 49ers, and Ronald Darby sign, signing with the Broncos, there's a lot of sign your name across my heart with Terrence Trent Darby across all of them. Anyway, I, I'll let that die uh, a slow and painful death. Um, I, you know, it's great for the business by the Broncos, but you know, we were just talking about Juju. He's only the third wide receiver, I think, in Steelers history to get a second contract. Hines Ward and Antonio Brown been the other two. The Broncos, it's almost been harder to get a second contract out, but not because of the talent, but because they seem to have been, as Colin alluded to, cheap asses who didn't want to pay people the right money. And now they talk about building from the lines out. It looks like almost you're building from the secondary in. Um, because Derby acquisition, I think, is good. But, you know, there's nothing to fault in the Simmons deal. As always, with all these deals, it'll be interesting to see how the money's broken up. It'll be interesting to see how the cap hits exactly play out. Um, but it seems like good money um, for a very, very high-quality safety. And, of course, there are uh, rumours abounding that Carl Fuller, uh, who's recently been cut by the Chicago Bears for salary cap reasons, is also headed uh, towards Denver. Um, not quite the way you build up that great defense from five years ago. It was very much on the line and then kind of the back end with, with Tlaib and stuff and, and uh, Chris Harris, etc. supported. You had a really strong defensive line. Um, but yeah, I, I'm delighted for your secondary coach. I'm delighted for your defense in terms of the quality players you got there. But what are you going to do a quarterback? What are you going to do in that offense with releasing Philip Lindsay? Um, they would be pressing concerns of mine if I was a Broncos fan. So. Um, but a good bit of business, like fair play. I, I noticed, sorry, Colin, just a quick one. I noticed, and I kind of, I know I sent you, sent you earlier on. There's more and more mock drafts starting to come down the line 
where the Broncos are picking picking a quarterback. Um, it's only really kind of come to pass in the past few days, you know, in terms of players dropping down. There's, so, there's okay. nobody out there. There's, there's there's no like you know people are talking about Andy Dalton, <laughs> Mr. Trubisky, <clears throat> different guys. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're all they've all been taken up. The market's gone. It's like walking into the shop on Christmas Eve at ten thirty at night. There's no food left. There's nothing there. So they're, they're going to have to draft a quarterback. But then if they well, draft a quarterback, then what's the point? Like I mean, they already have a guy there that's going into what's third year now. He has to get. Uh, I don't know. You're only drafting. A, you're only drafting a quarterback if if he's going to be star. Let's be fair. Like you've got a tour year quarterback with with a rookie sitting, which is why we touched on it around Jalen Hurts in the second year, and and it's been suggested they might draft a quarterback. It doesn't make any sense. So it's either you're drafting a quarterback and he's going to be playing come September, or you go you go with luck and you go down a different route and potentially look at addressing linebacker Parsons from Penn State, something like that, and. I don't think you need to go near the offense. Maybe potentially a running back. That could be also an option. Um, just on the Simmons deal, um, the other thing that I've noted is Justin Simmons' agent is uh, Todd France, who last year had his three big clients, uh, Dak Prescott, Bud Dupree, and Justin Simmons, all play on the tag. And now all three just signed pretty sizable deals. Uh, so I imagine uh, he is uh, very happy. And uh, if you are a player entering the league, uh, you're going to look at Todd France as a guy who can get a, a nice deal for you. So uh, he is certainly having a, a, a good week. Uh, or is it, well, is, it, is it two weeks or a week since Stack signed his deal? I mean, it, time seems to have warped. But basically, his three guys got massive deals within the last certainly 10 days. So, and, yeah. and, and Colin, sorry, Mark, yeah, you say he's content, but he's also very busy because he's also the agent of Kenny Holiday, who is probably now at this stage, the last man standing in terms of probably the, potentially the best free agent available. And he's a shrewd operator at the moment in terms of bringing teams into play today, putting it out there. Oh, these teams have all of a sudden come in, come in on the sweepstakes. Yeah, my, uh, Brian, that was Sade, actually, smooth operator, but still. Um, Four four year deals, all of those players as well, uh, Colm. And and you know, again, we talk about the rising cap. The fascinating thing about that is, does he start agitating after three years and say, oh, the market dynamics have changed, and we get through the two, you know, difficult year this year, and then a couple of maybe cheaper years, and then try to re-leverage the deals in your three or four year deal? Is that on his thought process or horizon, especially for Dak and maybe um, for Justin Simmons as well? So. Um, you know, fascinating to see how it's all going to play together as always. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've got a guest coming up in 10 minutes, uh, so we're going to try and get another topic in. Looking forward to speaking to Nick Geary in 10 minutes. Just before we do that, wherever you're watching this or listening on our podcast, we have launched merch this week. Uh, you got a promo code Paddy's, gets you five euro off, or if you're up in the north where the vaccines are mighty and it's all free, uh, that's about £3.50. Um, sorry, boys, I had to throw the vaccine joke in there. 1% of the UK's population vaccinated today. You never know, there could be a wee London game, but we're not talking about that now. Big breaking news, uh, nothing at all, to be honest. Sorry about that, Brian. Um, let's let's touch on the Kenny Gallagher. You know, you, you talked about it there now. Don't worry, and, if, uh, if, it, if it breaks, I know forced. But you said off camera, because I didn't have a clue personally. Also, I just want to put one thing in as well. The Packers haven't signed anybody yet, no at all. Like, all week, they haven't signed anybody. I don't think I know, but I've seen a tweet about it and it went viral. Like I don't think they signed anybody. But yeah. Brian, you said off camera that the the Galladay has 
landed in New York and he's at the facility. Is that true? Well, well I don't know whether I was telling or whether I was having a rant, but uh, he, uh, <laughs> he's been in the, in the Giants facility since early this morning, uh, well, lunchtime, Irish time. And I mean, at this stage, they must be evaluating every comb hair that he has because um, surely at this stage, you know, we're, if we're in desperate need of a number one wide receiver. I hope it's not like Bajie Snyder going to United, like, you know. Well, it reminded me of the Bervatov situation <laughs> where he went, Bervatov went by on, in the corridor on the glass panel outside Old Trafford at the forecourt at like half ten and it was like half one in the morning before the deal was announced. But this one is dragging and dragging. And as the day has progressed, snippets of information are coming out that he, you know, he met with the Bears last night. They've offered a 12 million one-year contract, similar to what the, uh, the Bengals have offered. The Ravens are supposed to be on the scene, but the Ravens are being linked with every wide receiver and they just don't have the cap. So it seems a bit of a strange one. To me, it looks like the agent is staring the pot, you know, and I won't say that, you know, <laughs> it's time to come off the pot, whatever the, the old saying is, but how long does it take? And someone said to me today, oh, it's a bit weird to see a player being brought into the facilities with a view to a signing. That's always been the way. Last year wasn't the way because of COVID, but up, up to two years ago, it was always the players arrived with a view to a signing. Future for signing. Right. Mike Florio says he's looking eighteen and a half million a year. Well, that's what he's been looking for from day one. But I think he probably has to reevaluate at this stage because we're five days into free agency, even if you include the tampering period, and he still hasn't got a deal. So you'd have to say he's not going to get the eighteen and a half million. But he is likely uh, to get the long term deal out of joints. Sorry, Mark. I know, don't say that, Brian. I mean, Bill Belichick, who made half million for a year, he's like Father Christmas at the moment. Anyway, if he wants a one-year deal for 18 and a half million, I'm sure the Pats will find some more cap space from nowhere. But um, not that I want to move off Kenny Holiday because he probably is the most impactful uh, and well, most exciting. Well, Mark, there, there, there. Is, there is news, apparently. Uh, the talks are heating up. Uh, that is the term that's being used. Uh, Jocena Anderson uh, ju literally just said that. He talks between Galladay and the Giants are heating up. So, Brian, you can make of that what you will. They're going, in, they're going into the spa room in, in the facilities. <laughs> oh, God. This, this feels like, though, this is like just spelling and transfer day but going on for five days with Kenny Galladay to be honest with you exactly um, Mark but, that's the point he's there all day what's what, at this stage surely the decision is made I mean clearly obviously he's got serious reservations about what the Giants are going to do as a football team but you know we'll, we'll see if they sign him um Michael you mentioned the Packers I mean yes they haven't signed anyone yet in fact their probably biggest move in agency has been a loss in losing Corey Lindsay to the Chargers they haven't immediately jumped to try to replace him. Alex Mack went to the 49ers. David Andrews just re-upped uh, uh, yesterday or today with the, the Patriots on a four-year deal, which, you know, was a little bit of a surprise, but nice to see because very much rate him as a centre. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be worried if I was a Packers fan. Like, beware the quiet uh, men. We touched on this a little bit the other night. The fact of the matter is there's going to be a lot of quality players there are very cheap deals. A lot of quality players there may be on cheap one-year prove-it deals. And the Packers and many of these people, and yes, they're not flush with cap space, but they'll pick up some good players in the end. They will um, pick and choose the uh, uh, rather than the big splashy deals that, I don't know, the Patriots have made, for example, and, and probably be more efficient in relation to it. So um, I wouldn't be worried as a Packers fan, but I, you know, uh, they've always been a little used participant in free agency. They don't use it to build their team. They build their team through the draft, and they'll continue to do that. So, um, 
keep sticking to what they're doing. It's been reasonably yeah. successful. With, with, the, with the exception of with the exception of two years ago when they brought in the Smith the Smith brothers, um, well that's brothers, but that's what the joke was at the time, and um, the two defensive players and Amos from the Bears. They've always been very quiet. You know, that's as Americans alluded to. That's their style. They don't tend to over overspend, and you find that. Two or three weeks, the free agents start picking up these kind of players at two or three million marks. And the way teams are going, there's going to be a lot of those free in the next couple of weeks. I've uh, actually found an exclusive look at, uh, oh, at what Brian's been doing on his phone all day. Just give me one second. Just before we do that, I just want to very quickly say, Mark, the Patriots casually tweeting today, oh, we, we've signed 10 players. Yeah. <laughs> that was, their, that was yeah. their tweet and the link. Uh, here's an exclusive look at Mark's, uh, sorry, at Brian's phone all day. Kenny Galladay signs with Giants, literally refreshing. I mean, your wife must hate you at the minute, Brian. You're literally just sitting there all day typing this in. All day. Between, do you know what the gas thing is, Michael? You're not, you're not too far off the truth. But between that and Cheltenham, I, I had a busy day. Yeah. Uh, congrats to, I can't remember her name, boys. Irish jockey from Ireland. Hannah. Rachel Blackmore. Jeez, how, do you not know, how do you not know her name? I wasn't watching. I just seen that she won. They were able to obviously won against it. Congratulations, Rachel! If you're watching, I'm sure you are a big NFL fan. Boys, we've got a couple of minutes, and it's going to come in. What's the crack? Any other topics you want to talk about for a couple of minutes? I actually just wanted to sorry because I was going to jump back. Um, you know, with the Simmons deal, I imagine Jamal Adams is looking at that, looking at that now, going, "Show me the money next year when it comes around to his recontract with the Seahawks," because he he tends to think he's the best safety in the league, and if you would have, most people would agree with him. You know, he's up there with Simmons, so he's probably looking at that going. There's the new benchmark for me. Hand that over to his agent. Yeah, well, there's two other players, uh, safety obviously playing on the franchise tag this season with the Saints and the Jets, so maybe they'll reset it even further. And, uh, yeah, he, he'll definitely be, be loving it and looking at it for uh, the following season when, you know, cap explosion should take place. I mean, we, we, we did talk about it in detail when we knew the deals were being done. Obviously, the formal announcements about the broadcast deals have gone through as well, the formal things that we're all expected about the ABC getting two Super Bowls in the next 10-year, um, 11-year uh, period, sorry, uh, and nine Super Bowls split between CBS, Fox, and NBC in a normal way. Um, there's a few little nuggets in there. I'm not going to say it's like contract porn for me, but, you know, there's there's a few things that were uh, exciting and interesting. Amazon are getting exclusive rights around Thursday night, which was a little yeah, bit... That means nothing to us. It's like... Happy days. We're actually going to be ahead of half of America. We're going to be ahead of half of America, but it's fascinating in America, if you think about it, where they're actually making clear 256 games a year. It's it's no longer. It's You've got to have everything. You've got to have your different options. Um, the money is ridiculous. We touched about it. It's going to explode the cap. We are looking at a quarter of a billion of a cap in the not-too-distant future. Um, <laughs> we're still looking at 53 players. And we're still only looking at a small practice squad because the, the union's already given all that away in their big, long 10-year um, deal with the owners. So it's not like there's going to be more players, but of course some will reset markets even more with this further broadcasting revenue. Uh, it's The NFL is the daddy of them all, quite simply. And Roger Goodell can get criticized for a lot of things, and rightfully so. But by God, there are some things he does exceptionally well. And negotiation and playing hardball with big-time partners is one of them. He's doing well. And $25 billion of revenue becomes closer every single day. But it's just funny how literally two or three days after the cap figures announced, 
TV deal, something like that. Now, if you're a player that's struggling to get somewhere next season, surely you're a little bit pissed off. Well, take it up with your union because your union agreed to an awful lot of this stuff. Um, There there have been a couple of really good pieces, uh, which Mark probably contributed to given his his love uh, of this stuff, but really good pieces over the last few days uh, around kind of the negotiations, um, how they played out. Like this did not just happen overnight. This has been in play for years building up to to this. And, um, you know, it would appear like everyone's going to make money but the owners uh, are going to make the most so uh, uh, you know as the the rich get richer um, but it, it is uh, if, if you are interested in this sort of stuff because um, uh, there will be plenty of, of listeners who like Mark enjoy it there are there's lots to feast on at the moment and uh, Andrew Brand on Twitter has been really good in relation to all of this stuff can't wait to hear what's going to happen on TV deals on the stretch. I mean, it'll definitely have repercussions here with different, well, for you boys anyway, in the South Champions League, there'll be a massive repercussion there, I reckon. Thanks very much, by the way, for that. You know, some of us were sort of using the freebie for the South to watch Champions League, but now it's not going to happen. So thanks, Amazon. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we're just waiting on Nate to come in, boys. Uh, very quickly, we might as well talk about it. Uh, any other... Brian, have you any other subject that you want to talk about that people are talking about at the moment? Well, when I'm thankful, we do have a, a, legal, a legal guru here, so I'm... I'm <laughs> Stop talking now, Brian. Stop talking now. <laughs> so uh, Deshaun Watson is, is in the news. Uh, we won't delve into it too much, but uh, my only thoughts on it is um, where we all felt that he would be traded prior to the draft. I think the, the latest news could potentially derail that, and you know, may find that he won't, get tra- he won't get to trade as soon as we think. That's the only thing that popped into my head then from a football standpoint. Yeah, let's be really, really careful and really clear about what we're going to say on this. So Deshaun Watson, if anybody hasn't seen the news or has been buried under a rock, has been accused of uh, inappropriate behaviour by uh, a a number of ladies who um, are involved in generally massages. Um, I think it's accurate to say the plaintiff's lawyer is based in the Houston area and is kind of maintaining an action on behalf of a number of people. Uh, Deshaun, I think, made an initial statement on the first allegation that hasn't said anything since. The Texans organization has not said anything. But we do know that the NFL has reached out to the defendant's lawyer because the, defendant, uh, the plaintiff's lawyer, because the plaintiff's lawyer tweeted about it and said, here's the uh, letter they just sent me recently. We'll have to see how all this plays out. Of course, they're pretty serious allegations in respect of it there are a number of texans fans who already see that this is scurrilous um defamatory behavior trying to as a conspiracy theory to do nasty things to the sean watson and everything i mean yeah i mean if you told me there's a conspiracy theory that 32 owners of the nfl are conspiring against the players i kind of would believe that one i think other than that people see conspiracy theories and lots of things um but let's see how it all plays out. Yeah. Um, the course of law take its course. In, and, in, in, indeed. Yeah. And for, fortunately, we have a guest to, to move <laughs> along to a new subject. <laughs> Delighted to welcome uh, a man that actually, boys, as I has talked about, saying he, he's 100% Irish uh, from Buffalo Sports Radio, Nick Yuri. Nate, welcome into the show, man. I hope you can hear us okay, yeah? All good? Can be a no? No. Yeah. Are you on mute, Nick? Are you on mute? Double check. No, it seems to be going, though. No? Try it again. How's yeah. that now? Hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Thank God for that. 
Nip, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? It's going good, fellas, other than these, you know, technical difficulties. It's 2021, and I'm a millennial, and I'm still having trouble here, but it is what it is. As we say here, it's grand, it's grand. Tell us, Nate, just before we even start talking about football and your background and, you know, your mm-hmm. team and stuff and, you know, and your job, tell us about, you know, have you any Irish heritage? What's your affinity to Ireland? Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, I'm the Lord, I'm the, in, in terms of the U.S. and U.S. football, uh, I am the avid fan of the Lord's team, which is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Um, and uh, so I've, I've, I've actually spent the lot before COVID-19, um, I, I usually do every year I do the home opener for Notre Dame. So I'll drive down to Indiana. It's about a eight and a half, nine hour drive and uh, go take in some college football and an unbelievable, you know, experience at, at Notre Dame. But for myself, my family, uh, my dad's side of the family is 100 percent Irish and um I've grown up uh, a bit of, you know, in the Irish lore. I'm an Irish beer drinker. Um, uh, in my, if now I'll say this, um, my apartment here is mostly decorated by my girlfriend. I'm sure you gentlemen know if you have significant others, you don't get a lot of say in what goes up on the walls. But if it was my, you know, dorm room, like my college dorm room, you know, I'd have several um, Irish pieces of memorabilia um, on the walls, uh, Irish flags, so on and so forth. But um you know, uh, for whatever reason, she says the Irish flag isn't very easy to uh, de- to decorate around. It's not a good centerpiece. I'm, I'm not sure. Nate, just as ready, you spoke about your partner there because your black cat just went went past there a minute ago. I thought you were going to start talking about your cat. No, no. Uh, so I've got two cats, and they actually, they're very camera friendly. They love the camera, uh, so they will be at periodic times probably jumping up and, and trying to come see and talk to you guys. But uh, no, they're they're harmless, and, and even though she's a black cat, she's got she's got a white chest, so she's not unlucky. We didn't we didn't we didn't cross any bad omens here. She's not the black cat. She's not the black cat that was in MetLife a couple of years ago. Is she? No, no, not the same black cat. Nate, <laughs> uh, I mean, just for the benefit of your girlfriend, it looks lovely. You're a palm It's just a lovely job with it. You know, I'm she. Sure. Listen, she's not here. She's not here. Uh, so we don't have to kiss her ass. Don't worry. She's not here. <laughs> got it, got it. We see the uh, the buffalo uh, cat that, that you have on. Uh, can can you talk us through uh, your, uh, I, I suppose, your your buffalo fandom? Sure, uh, surely. I actually, um, so I'm from Buffalo, New York originally. Um, I grew up uh, right where the Buffalo Bills play in Orchard Park, New York. I grew up in the, in the, the neighboring town, Hamburg, New York. Uh, my high school football stadium in our north end zone, you could see the, uh, the, the Bills practice facility and the lights for the stadium. So I am uh, fairly what I would call born and raised a Bills fan in western New York. Um, and, um, I, I grew up, I went to college, I played football in college for my first few years, um, and then transitioned from recognizing that I wasn't going to be playing in the NFL, uh, to deciding I wanted to still talk about football and, and enjoy the game, but more than just a fan, I wanted to get into the media side. Um, so I, I took an internship at the radio station here locally in Buffalo that covers the bills. It's the flagship. Um, and since then, um, I went from, disc jockey that was overnighting, um, you know, uh, the like larger, some of our, our syndicated shows, ESPN radio to getting in my own show. And now I, um, I, I host the pregame and the halftime and postgame show for the bills on our network pregame. So it's pretty cool. It's, you know, as a, as a, I'm not 30 years old, I'll be 30 years old at the end of this year. So as a, uh, 
still a fairly young guy, uh, it's pretty cool to be, you know, on the radio talking about your childhood team. And uh, my friends are certainly a little jealous about it. Nate, can I just say, as somebody that turned 30 three weeks ago, I, I, I love how you're referring to us as a, as a relatively young guy. Uh, I think that's, that's fantastic. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's right. <laughs> the first, the, the first, um, the first main guest, like the first real big guest that we, so we only started this around Halloween last year. We ended up getting Jim Kelly on in November and Jim was talking about his Irish connections. He's got family in Belfast, for example, but uh, oh, no kidding. one thing that Jim did talk about, man, was that Bills team. And when, I don't, like, even when he was on, I, I was very much in the Bills corner all year, but to see that team go as far as it did and not fall at the final hurdle, but get very close to getting to the Super Bowl, um, as a Bills fan for years and as an analyst as well, going into this next season, how have you found, you know, obviously what they've done this year and, and also in free agency so far? Yeah, I would say it's pretty exciting in terms of, um, you know, they kind of their stated mission, their stated goal was to try to bring back as much of their, you know, good talent that were going to be free agents and available to sign elsewhere. And the Bills not only did that, um, they signed the three major free agents that I, I think basically everybody in Buffalo had sort of said, maybe you get two of those three. Maybe you only end up with one of those three. Um, the Bills general manager, brand, Brandon Bean, kind of the guy that's orchestrated this team, the construction of the roster, um, he was able to sign all three. Um, he got all three before they were able to go to the free agent market to test you know, just how much they might be worth on the open market. And they were able to sign at deals that were significantly lower than their market value would have been elsewhere. The, the, the same trend has sort of gone on with the kind of surprise signing of Mitchell Trubisky, the Chicago Bears former quarterback and first round pick, um, signing at a one-year, $2.5 million deal when a guy like Andy Dalton goes out and signs a one-year, $10 million deal in, in Chicago. Um, you know, you, you look at the two, and, and although I don't think anyone's bragging about Mitchell Trubisky's ability, I think we would probably agree you, you would rather have Mitchell Trubisky at $2.5 million than paying the Red Rifle, you know, $10 million. And I, I think Andy Dalton did some good things, but I think he's a backup quarterback. And if, if he was probably should be making more so of what Trubisky's making. But Trubisky, you know, takes a, a lesser deal. He had offers to take more money to go to another team, but he chose to come to Buffalo for less money um, because this is, a, I think, a team and an organization that has cultivated a type of culture around the team and the locker room and the types of players they're going out and acquiring. Um, guys want to play here. Um, I think they want to play with the guys in the locker room, but the coaching staff and the, and the general manager is a very interesting shift in dynamics um, on how people around the league view the Bills. It, instead of, you know, maybe in the last decade or two thinking, you know, hey, I'm, I might go here and you might never hear from me again. Or you may never see me play on Monday Night Football. You know, the Bills didn't play on Sunday Night Football for, om for over 10 years. So, um, you know, you didn't get the primetime games here. Now the Bills are going to be in a position to be playing on, on primetime and you guys will be able to watch them and, and they'll be playing internationally and because they're a, a, a commodity that people want to see now. So they're far more like the Jim Kelly Bills now um, than they were probably the Bills of my maybe most, uh, most recent memory, which would have been, you know, two decades of no playoffs, which wasn't great growing up with. And, you know, as a Bills fan growing up, Tom Brady has really kind of scarred and, and, and ruined most of my, my teen years, to be quite honest.
Well, Nate, that's actually bringing me to the question I have, have for yourself. Um, you know, another team in your division that team players tend to want to play for is the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And, you know, a lot of people feel that they've gone into the night, but I think you've quickly, quickly picked up on this week. Bill Belichick ain't gone anywhere. If anything, he's more motivated than ever to kind of re-establish the Patriots and put them back where, they, where he believes they belong. So we are looking at this week thinking, oh, my God, here they come again because they've made a lot of good signs. So... I think they made a, a lot of volume signings. I think they got a lot of guys. Um, and I think for the most part, they, they probably overpaid for a couple of them. Particularly, I'm thinking the wide receiver, Nelson Aguilar, they, they go and get from the Las Vegas Raiders and they pay him lots and lots of money, maybe more money than than, uh, than Juju Smith-Schuster just signed for in, in Pittsburgh. Um, and I think, you know, if you're picking between Juju Smith-Schuster and Nelson Aguilar, I think everyone would agree Juju Smith-Schuster is the better player. So how does Nelson Aguilar end up with more money? Well, I think New England had a lot of money to throw around. They were willing to throw it around. And I think Tom Brady's success probably lit the fire of Bill Belichick. I think um, I'm not sure that Bill goes to sleep thinking about, you know, showing up Tom Brady. Um, but I'm certain that he doesn't go to sleep particularly happy that Tom Brady's being talked about as the real architect of that dynasty in New England and, and the real engine behind all that success. And, and I think, you know, that certainly is eating away at Bill Belichick. But my, you know, my issue is those signings are great. Um, I, I think you, there's a lot of really good value in there. I think they got a lot of good starting caliber players. The question I have, who's playing quarterback? And as a Cam Newton fan myself, I, I I love I loved Cam Newton coming out of college. I really wish he would end up, you know, had the Bills not won two extra games at the end of the year, maybe they end up getting the number one pick and getting the opportunity to draft Cam Newton. Instead, they end up with Marcel Darius, and, you know, he's he's doing what we're doing now. He's drinking beers and enjoying podcasts. So, um, you know, I like Cam Newton a lot, but at the same time, he looked shot. I mean, his arm looked – I'll tell you – Give me a couple weeks to warm up and, you know, get this arm going again. I think me and Cam Newton are right there uh, throwing the football. He just did not look um, like the player that, you know, I think all of us maybe remember him being in that MVP year and the Super Bowl run. Um, but without a quarterback, all those signings don't, don't mean too much. And I guess that's really where I come down to is, hey, great signings, Bill. I think you guys are going to be more competitive. I think maybe you're a playoff team, but who's playing quarterback? When you came on, I thought it was actually Chad Pennington coming on with the, with the hat in the arm there. So maybe you can come over. <laughs> Chad Pennington. I, yeah, that, he's not exactly known for the arm strength, though, that Chad Pennington. Yeah. Um, and he never got to the Bills. He, Jets and Dolphins, half of the AFC East, at least. Yeah, out. most of the AFC East, yeah, just not the Bills, right. I mean, look, I, I, I can fully understand your uh, fear of Tom Brady, if you like. Unfortunately, Nate, I'm on the other side of a Pats fan, so... You know, twenty-eight and three is. Nobody famous. told me that. I know. We, I, we, we try not to. We try to leave it as a surprise. Oh man. We all twenty-eight and three is a figure that the Falcons hate. I mean, thirty-two and three, which is Brady's record against the Bills. I'm sure is a is a figure you're not best pleased with. Did you uh, Did you have that right on cue? Did you know that I, right in your head? I, I, I do kind of have it up there. Yeah. I mean, and of course, you know, better check. You're right. I mean, he's only going for the ninth ring this season because he's got two of the Giants. But you know, they'll, they'll catch up. Maybe maybe him and Brady will have a, a bit of a, a fight off in relation to it. I suppose I did want to ask you a little bit about the free agency piece. 
as you said, the Bills haven't been that active. And they arguably they don't need to be in terms of picking up other players because you've got you picked up Hollister, you picked up Mitch Trubitsky, you signed your re-signed your own players, which was the important thing. I'd argue Milano was a bit expensive for an inside linebacker, especially in the later cap hits. But good bit of business, good player, critical to your defense. I flip the question a little bit. I mean, you you guys could have used Cam Newton as a running back maybe last year because your running game wasn't where you wanted it to be. Is that the biggest hole that you think Buffalo need to now address in the draft? Or are there other holes like locally you kind of think, we need a bit of depth here or we could do with something else here? Where's the roster construction and that Geary household going for Buffalo when April ends? So uh, it's a good question. I, I think a lot of people looked at the issues the Bills had running the football and they wanted to really just point at the running backs and say, hey, these guys just aren't getting the job done. And I don't think anybody here in Buffalo wants to see this team run more. I think everyone was really excited that for the first time they felt like they had a team that was on top of the, uh, the NFL in passing attempts and passing yards and passing touchdowns. Um, for the last two decades, you don't have a quarterback capable of doing that. And, and I think Josh Allen's emergence last year had a lot to do with their willingness to open it up, to throw the football and move away from running it. Um, so for us, it's less of, you know, do they need a high-end three-down bell cow, Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, even if you look at this draft, uh, Travis Etienne, the, the guy that I think a lot of people in Buffalo might say they want, right? This running back who can maybe, uh, is a straight-line speed guy, but has the strength to run between the tackles and be an every-down back. And I think people here start to say, well, do does having an every-down back here make sense? Um, is are they going? Are, is drafting a running back with the 30th pick in the first round, or going out and paying Philip Lindsay, um, or going out and paying uh, Chris Carson, the Seattle running back, because we want to be able to run the ball better, the smart move. When I think in reality, the running backs last year were fine. I don't think they were great. I don't think they were bad. Um, but I think they're fine for how much this team wants to run the football. I think the offensive line needed to play better. Um, at times last year. And, you know, they kind of are running it back with the same guys this upcoming season. So for me at the draft, I'm looking for, can you add a really nice young interior offensive line into the mix? That's kind of the hole I think I'm looking for this team to fit. They re-signed John Feliciano. Hey, that's great. But I think for me, Feliciano is probably best in kind of a rotational role. Can, can they draft a guy at 30? Can they draft a guy in the second round that can really be sort of the future of the interior offensive line? So for me, they become better at running the football, not by running it more, but by running it more efficiently. Um, so next year for me, I think a lot of it has to do with, I don't think they were running the scheme the right way. And I think the Bills offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, he would probably admit to you a lot of the run problems started with his play calling. Um, and they weren't running in good situations. So I think if they can get better situational play calling from the offensive coordinator, they can get a little bit better in terms of run blocking up front, which I think better play calls will feed into more successful run plays on, along the offensive line. But I think they need better play overall from the offensive line in general. And I think they would say that. I think there's a lot of injuries last year that you can make excuses for. So do I think they should go after a big time running back? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it, right? I wouldn't hate it, but I don't think this team is prioritizing it um, because I think ultimately they could run it back with the same team next year, and I want to see them continue throwing the football. 
Um, that's how they won games last year. It's how they're going to continue winning games in the future. So for me, I'm fine if they upgrade. I'm fine if they don't. I think the best way to make a better run game next year, a more efficient run game, is by adding more pieces to the offensive line for the future. Sure. And, and better situational football. I mean, Brian Dabble might have learned a bit from Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, obviously, in his coaching evolution to get there. Certainly. And, you know, I think his background with both coaches, you know, I think would 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 tell him that you play into the strengths of your team, right? And And I don't think... At times last year, Brian Dable run, he ran a lot of outside zone plays, which really relies on speed from the running back, which, by the way, they don't have. Their running backs are not fast but quick. Um, I would say more agile than straight line speed. So you need to run plays that run into the strengths of the, of the running backs. And I don't think they ran running back plays the strength of the players that they had in the backfield. And I also don't think they ran strength to what they can do up front on the offensive line. And, and so I think if they can maybe lean into their strengths a little bit more, something I'm sure Brian Dable probably learned from his time with Nick Saban and, and, and you know, Bill Belichick, his team changes who they are every week based on the opponent. They're going to lean into the things they know they can do, and they're going to stop the things they know the other team can do. And I think for Brian Dable, he takes those principles and applies them. I think it's why he's going to end up being a head coach very soon in the league too. Nate, that's why I felt the Trubisky signing wasn't a surprise because, you know, he's the type of quarterback, he's sim- he has similarities to Josh Allen. He's not as good as Josh Allen, don't get me wrong, but, you know, he's mobile, he can run the but he can run if he has to run, if there's a run-pass option type scenario. He's got a reasonably good arm, and you know, people were a bit down on him last year, but he did throw a lot of touchdowns for the Bears, and he could pick up the offense, and if there was a case where he had to come in and help the team, you know, he, he could hold his own. 29 wins as a starter, um, you know, and this is no offense. I think the, the Bills backup quarterback, Matt Barkley, is well-loved in the community. Um, but I'm not sure the Bills felt comfortable if Josh Allen were to go down. And we know the way that Josh plays. He's not a, hey, I'm going to take a slide or I'm going to run out of bounds to avoid contact. Josh Allen often welcomes it or even initiates that contact um, and that physicality. I mean, all most of the plays we all see on YouTube um, or we see on ESPN top 10 plays are him, you know, trying to stiff arm a linebacker to the ground or hurdle over a six foot five defensive end or something. Those are the types of plays that Josh, and so there was always that risk of injury. Um, and I just don't think they felt like they could continue running the same type of offense if Matt Barkley had to come in the game. So I think Mitchell Trubisky offers a lot of things um, in a one-year contract. I think he's motivated to change some of the narratives about him. And, and maybe he's not able to do that with you know his on-field play, but but maybe he's able to come into a system and work with Josh Allen, work with Brian Dable, and pick up some things. And, and the other guy too is, you know, if you guys are college football fans like I was, Ken Dorsey, who the Bills, uh, you know, quarterbacks coach, is a you know a, a really storied college football player for the University of Miami during that 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 early, mid early two thousands run that they had, and with with Larry Coker, and he was you know going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. And this is a guy that's sort of teaching Josh and and as coaching these players up. So he comes into a situation where he can get coached up, um, maybe clean up some of the mistakes and use the Bills as a one-year gap to get to next offseason and, and potentially fight for a starting job elsewhere. So I think it's a it's a no-brainer because they didn't pay a lot of money for him. Um, and they've got some long-term security. Somebody on Good Morning Football this morning, maybe it was, um, it was Peter Schrager who tweeted, um, you know, he thinks the Bills have the best two quarterbacks in the division. Um, and I don't know if I want to go that far. Uh, but I think it, I think there's an argument to be made. Nate, just just last one for me, man. 
is there any is there any other move maybe not just on the east coast but is, is there any other move across the nfl this week that has made you go whoa uh, and then just just looking ahead to the weekend any other surprising move you might think that might be on the, the radar that isn't being talked about so whoa like hey that's a great move or whoa what the hell is that team doing Either or. <laughs> All right, so how about what the hell is that team doing? Uh, the Tennessee Titans signing Bud Dupree for an $18.5 million per year deal, guaranteeing him $33.5 million coming off of a major ACL tear of his knee. Um, not to mention, they just drafted Jeffrey Simmons, who's an up-and-coming pass rusher. They've got uh, the kid from Boston College, and his name is, is escaping me as another good edge pass rusher. That is a luxury pick. Uh, for a team that just lost their number two receiver, their number three receiver, their number one tight end. Um, I, yeah, that was a, a real head scratcher for me. They set the market for a guy coming off of a major injury. Um, I'll, uh, that, that move I'll never quite understand um, to me. And then I'd say um, the wow move would, would be the Kansas City Chiefs um, going out and setting the market and, and spending $80 million on Joe Tooney. Um, that uh, was certainly maybe not expected. I, I knew they were going to go out and, and try to go get an offensive lineman after they lost uh, both their starting tackles, Mitchell Schwartz and uh, Mike Remmers, and um, uh, who's the left tackle as well, uh, Eric Fisher. So they, they lose three tackles. I'm assuming they're going to go out in there. Obviously, they were right in it to the end um, with Trent Williams as well. So clearly they're out there trying to spend some money on the offensive line. That was probably the wow, um, the, the, the sort of wow move for me. And frankly, guys, in terms of, moves on the horizon, there are more quality free agents than I think a lot of people thought there would be this late into the process. Richard Sherman's still out there. Kyle Fuller, he's going to get uh, nabbed up after after getting released by the Bears. Kenny Galladay is another name um, that still hasn't decided on where to play. So I think for me, the, the move on the horizon I, I, I'm going to be watching is what Kenny Galladay ends up doing. Um, a lot of talk that the Bears really want to pair him with Allen Robinson this year. Um, I don't understand why they've got Andy Dalton. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and it's not really an appealing move if you're if you're Galladay, the player himself. Uh, but if they're going to pay him 14 or 15 million, yeah, I mean maybe you just go and sign up for that. But I think ultimately Galladay is going to end up going to the New York Giants um, and signing a multi-year deal with the Giants and uh, and end up being their number one wide receiver, which I think would be a really good move for them. So um, I think that's probably the move on the horizon that, that I think will be a, maybe not a shocker, but I, I don't think a lot of people had uh, the Giants going in there and scooping up the best wide receiver on the market. Nate, as a, as a Giants fan, I suppose the air, air situation was until the Leonard Williams contract was resolved, we weren't in a position to start you know, looking at players like Galladay. Thankfully, they got that sword. Cap came down by 10 million for the year, allowed them to start actually pursuing Galladay properly. So that's how that came about. It wasn't on the horizon until the deal thankfully got done. Yeah, it, it, Leonard Williams was be so funny. Sorry. That's it. No, Leonard Williams is a big move for the Giants, too. Like, I, they needed to, to wrap that up. And, and, and to your point, if they let that sit a couple more days, they're likely not in a position. Um, like you mentioned, to to be in a position for Kenny Calladay. So it's a good job by Gettleman, who, by the way, I'm not a big fan of Gettleman. I don't, I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's quite figured things out over there. But yeah, I mean, it's a big year for Daniel Jones. We'll see. I, what do you, what do you what's your impression of Daniel Jones? Are you excited? Like, where, where are we with that? I'm a bit like the two guys who are sport the Broncos. We're, we're kind of a, we've mixed thoughts <laughs> on it. We we see the potential. I I feel that he hasn't had a proper chance because he hasn't had really good players around him. That's fair. The first year Slayton was really good. He dropped off last year. 
the Golden Tate signing never made any sense. It came in very quickly after the Odell Beckham trade, gave him yep. a big contract. They were looking for an outside receiver when he's predominantly a slot receiver. So they haven't really given him proper players. I actually think the Kyle Rudolph sign is a really good one. Yeah, not I do too. Not just because he's, he's in the red zone, he's very efficient, but more so for his blocking. You know, Dalvin Cook over the years has continuously talked about how he helps him in terms of the run game. And that's what we need to, for Saquon Barkley, if he comes back next season to the player that we hope he does, you know, that he could be the one that kind of springs the gaps for him to go and show the player that he is. So, but just back on Jones, it's make or break year. If he doesn't oh, yeah. do it this year, this is it, it's over. Nate, listening to you, uh, a number of things jumped out. One, um, I am trying to get a, a, um, a, a campaign going um, to, to free um, the, the, the Bears have the, one of the best wide receivers in the league and yeah. they shouldn't have him. He, should, he, shouldn't, he shouldn't be there. Um, so I, I, I want to see him free from the Bears. Uh, I, thought, I thought franchise tagging him was unfair given they brought in Dalton. The other thing that stood out to me was um, you mentioned Philip Lindsay. Whoever gets Philip Lindsay is getting a hell of a running back. Uh, wherever he he goes in this league, I think he's going to do a, a fantastic job for somebody as long as they they know how to use him. Because I don't think he was used in the in the right way in uh, in Denver. Um, and I think Mark has a point uh, before we jump out. I was just going to say, uh, Colin, you watched the trial of the Chicago 7, and now you just want to make it free the Chicago 1 when it comes to uh, uh, Mr. Robinson, which is funny. Yes. Uh, but, Nate, we're all looking at you probably jealously as well because you're right, the Patriots don't have a quarterback, and the three boys between Drew Locke and Daniel Jones are just dreaming that year three they suddenly turn into Josh Allen like he yeah. drew in Buffalo, um, and a near MVP season from him last year. So, Fair play to you, the Buffalo Bills, uh, the uh, reigning AFC East champions, which it pains me to say. <laughs> and, and as you know, Mark, uh, you know, heavy wears the crown. Uh, it's heavy. Uh, everyone's sort of coming at you. Everyone's going to give you their best. Yeah, you know, listen, I like, I think Drew Locke and Daniel Jones are right in that same situation, right in that same conversation. I think Daniel Jones showed and flashed that rookie season. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't, I, I, I don't like them bringing in Jason Garrett to be the offensive coordinator. I, I think that that's ultimately why we saw the step back. On top of, though, they certainly just did not have the weapons around Daniel Jones that they needed to, to make him successful. Obviously, you lose Saquon Barkley. You're losing one of the best running backs and overall players in the league. Um, that's hard to overcome as a second-year player who's trying to take that step. Um, and Drew Locke, the same thing. Flashed, had a couple of – had that 300-yard game as a rookie – but never really was able to put together. But again, they surrounded him with uber rookies. I mean, they had three young players, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, um, KJ Hamler. He had guys around and they're all young rookie players. And you can't really lean on those guys. And then Josh Allen goes out and the Bills surround him with a legitimate top end, top three, four wide receiver from Stephon Diggs. You, know, you, you, you put one of the best I think underrated slot receivers in all the league in Cole Beasley. You get that deep threat with John Brown. Um, I, that that was the difference for Josh Allen. And, and I think until a team 
goes out and gets a Kenny Galladay for Daniel Jones. And and Cortland Sutton coming back for Denver is going to be huge for them to round out that, that I think, pretty darn good receiving core with Noah Fan at tight end. I, listen, if, if, if I'm betting on one of those two, I'm probably betting on Drew Locke just based on the, the pieces around him. But frankly, I think they, they surrounded both those quarterbacks with some pretty crappy play callers, if you're asking me. Uh, some pretty crappy play callers. with uh, and, and the Giants' old coach, uh, Pat Shermer, is the offensive coordinator there. So it's just, you know, they, they – conservative guys that really aren't going to allow these young guys with arms to flourish like I think Brian Dable did for Allen. Yeah, as we said in Ardaman, this is this is a great crack. We'll definitely have to get you on again whenever it's for the trial. Amen. Know, just in general, 100%. And we appreciate Fridays, everybody uh, following I was going to say, Fridays are my days where I'll drink a pint, and uh, I'd be happy to come on with you guys whenever. Um, at, at Nate Geary Sports, uh, follow Nate. Nate, appreciate your time, man. Enjoy your weekend. Hopefully, chat again. My soon. pleasure, fellas. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks mate. Cheers, Nate. Thank All you. the best. Take care. Uh, it was a good chat. Nate. It was a good crack. Thanks very much, Nate, for coming on. Uh, you can follow uh, Nate on Twitter uh, at Nate Geary Sports. I, I think we could have talked to him about the Broncos and Giants there for about 25 hours. We've got breaking news. Um, it's, sorry, it's not that one. Sorry. It's, uh, it's actually about the Sean Watson. Uh, I, I can see Colin going. Oh <laughs> every no! Time, every time oh the show no! Uh, but um, this every is from the Houston Police Colin. Department. And um, at this time, Houston Police Department is unaware of any contact between uh, Houston Police Department and Houston Attorney Tony Busby regarding the allegations contained in his recently filed lawsuits, and no incident reports regarding these allegations have been filed in our jurisdiction. Uh, it's just been announced uh, on Twitter and has been written. Well. I've had more texts from Ian Rappaport this week than my wife. Michael, so, when you, Michael, for those out there who know about the, the Sean Watson situation, obviously people have read the story. When you said the, the police have said there's been no contact, I assume you're going into a situation around the story itself. But thankfully, you didn't go down that road. I was just reading out a tweet. I was just reading out a tweet. And my dear Lord, boys. <laughs> Look, it's been an interesting evening on the uh, what's become the, the Giants uh, Roadshow. And uh, I wait, think... Wait, um, it certainly makes a change, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it, uh, it, it's, it's one that, um, you know, uh, will uh, hopefully be uh, forgotten. Nate was great. Uh, hopefully we can have him back on and we can avoid any legal issues. Absolutely, I'm, I'm presuming because we don't know this. We're not going live this weekend, boys. That's the plan. We're, we're, we're not going live. No, no, we're not going live. Unless Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson signs with a different team, we are not going live. It was if Kenny Galladay, if Kenny Galladay doesn't sign with the Giants and he signs somebody else, we're going live. Oh, no, no, we're talking about big deals, Michael, not just any old wide receiver. But oh, yeah, um, it was lovely having Nate on because it's lovely hearing from someone who supports an actual uh, New York-based team. So that, that that's good. Um, you know, as opposed yeah. to those New Jersey teams. Yeah, well, as, as opposed to the six-hour drive from Manhattan to, to Buffalo instead of the 20 minutes over to New Jersey, yeah? Hey, it's it's about the state, Brian. It's not just about yeah. a small part of the city. Well, you see, you, know? you can you can make those comments, but you need to go and evaluate the story behind the note before before you you, you come on slandering. It um, is, it is the, the the New York Giants Irish NFL podcast really show. Yeah, but you, yeah, if you're gonna fucking have a slag, make sure you know your facts. Well, yeah, they play in New Jersey. I know their facts. Yeah, they yeah. play. You don't know, you don't know the story behind it. Simple as. Well, they were trying to build a stadium in, in central New York, weren't they? And it was rejected by the state, I'm presuming. Yeah, then they wanted to build a million, like you say. 
and send them six hours up the road or Buffalo Park. You're not going to do that. You want to have your ticker tape parade? You have it in New Jersey, yeah? I don't really go. like. I don't really care to be honest. I mean, it's grand, like sure, it's grand. It's the Giants, it's grand. It's 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 the Bills, etc. If you if, if you're what still do you with mean, us, what do you mean, Mr. Giants? What do you mean, Mr. Giants? As in, we're just, just the old Giants down the road for Super Bowls. Okay, okay, that's all right. That's fine. Like, I mean, it's all good. Like, we're all still gonna have a lovely sleep tonight. Uh, can I just say, boys, it's been a good crack this week. I well, we're we're obviously back next Friday. Um, let's see, maybe Monday, maybe Wednesday, I don't know yet, but let's see what happens in the league. Very unlikely we'll be live this weekend. Can I ask everybody watching this or listening to this, if you're on the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Uh, please do. Keep us, well, we don't have any jobs yet, but it might keep us in the job in the future. Please leave a review and don't... Just be nice. You know, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, if you are, if you do have one of these things that I call the phone or a computer... IrishNFLShow.com, you can get some merch, promo code Paddy's, gets you five yo-yos off. We'll try and get it in Queen's English if you're up in Northern Ireland. Leave it with me, I'm trying, I can't do it. But sure, look, it's grand, just get a Monzo account and just get it in euros. I know you get a fee every... See, this, these, these boys don't care about this. You can charge a fee every time you buy something in euros, boys. But uh, it's been a hard week for a Bears fan, boys. Uh, I'm going to leave you all with a special message until next week. And don't worry, it's not this. And it's not this. It's something different. So for this is for all the Bears fans, uh, boys. I hope you have a lovely weekend. See you later. Good night. Bye, Brad. Good luck. Yeah. Good evening, guys. Oh, okay. Night, everybody. Good luck. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. goodbye. And tomorrow, just like today. The moon, the bear, and the big blue house will be waiting for you to come and play. To come and play. To come and play. Bye now.